Hello, and welcome to the Disability Connection. I'm your host, Walter Nunes. The Disability Connection is supported by the Disability Law Center, which is the protection and advocacy system for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We advocate on behalf of persons with disabilities in matters of abuse and neglect. We're located at 11 Beacon Street. The website is www.dlc-ma.org, and the main telephone number is 617-723-8455. Today, we're fortunate to be meeting with David Correa, Advocacy Director from Metro West Center for Independent Living, and Ashley Starr, who is Community Transition Coordinator, also at the Metro West ILC. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks it's for a pleasure. <laughs> so, we talked a little bit about how the show was going to go, and I think not everybody knows what an independent living center is, or an ILC. You might hear me say ILC through the program, independent living center. So what is an independent living center? What do you do? Excellent. Um, once again, thanks for having us. Sure. Um, Metro West Center for Independent Living is an independent living center. There is actually nine others across Massachusetts. Um, Boston actually has one, BCIL as well. We work with people with disabilities, um, any age, any kind of disability. Um, we work with um, working on anything from peer counseling, skills training, to just information and referral. We have a TAP program, which is transitioned into adult program, working with youth between the ages oh. of 14 and I believe 22. Um, we try to, we, our philosophy there is at Metro West, and all the independent living centers is to not only empower people with disabilities, but have them basically have consumer control. And so we work with everything from anything from housing to transportation to health issues. Um, yeah, we're basically there to kind of be a, an advocate and support system. So we can't do something for them, but we can do it with them. Um, obviously making the goal to be more independent um, in general. So are ILCs a state agency or is state funding? We are a nonprofit, um, 501c nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, so some of our funding comes from Mass Rehab as well. Um, do you work in, in tandem with Mass Rehab? Do you work coordinate with them? I know that some other some state agencies do work directly with Mass Rehab. Yeah. Do you? They, we work with them on. Um, Ashley could probably tell you a little more about that with the VR program. Yeah, so basically they do a lot of our um, help facilitate where the funding will go to help us with different programs and referring people to us um, that we can best help. Um, so yeah, we work with MRC and then we also work um, every year we go to the State House, so we have a line item and we advocate um, to help fund all the ILCs across the state so we can um, be able to provide this free service for anyone with a disability. So as myself and many of the people watching may not know what VR means, what, what does VR mean? It's vocational. Vocational um, resources. So like if you want to, I mean, sometimes we work with people who are still in school, who are need executive functioning skills um, training, or um, it can be for looking at jobs. Um. Do you provide the training or provide referrals to where people can get training, or both? Um, we basically do a lot of helping them figure out where they could go to find um, the next resource. We don't physically provide any of the programs ourselves, so we kind of are just there to be an advocate and help them um, train them to find the resources themselves. So. 
how many clients do you serve, let's say, during a year? Or, or do you have an active roster of clients That's or people question. come and go? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I do not want to throw out an incorrect number. We just had our annual report. That's um, all right. Another way to go about it is how do people reach you? How do people get in touch with you? Oh, uh, either through our website, our phone number, which we can obviously... I'm sure David, David is going to put it up for us, the contact information for the Metro West uh, Independent Living Center. So... We do cover, by the way, before I forget, we do cover 26 towns in the surrounding area. Uh, just your just us office? alone, yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and then every area of the state has their own ILC that covers them. And on our website, there is a, a resource that allows you to pick your town, and you can see what ILC covers you. So what's the most interesting thing you've worked on recently, Ashley? Just throw you a curve. Um, I would say <coughs> the thing that we've been working on the most um, in this past year has been the AAB bill, um, which is Senate Bill 1379 and House Bill 2498. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Oh, yeah. Um, and also voting, because we all know we have a big election coming yes. up. <laughs> and I'll take this moment to say this show is going out live today. And if anyone has a question for David or Ashley, they can call in at 617-708-3290. So seeing as how you did the perfect segue, um, you know, I've been working in disability <coughs> rights issues for quite a few years. Um, 15 years today with the Disability Law Center and seven years before that working with Mental Health Legal Advisors Committee and the private bar. But when you talk to me about the Architectural Access Board, which, why don't we start with, what is the Architectural Access Board and what do they do? The Architectural Access Board is um, located at one Ashburton place. State agency. State agency, um, under the public safety, I believe, still, mm -hmm. for, as of right now. Um, that is something like part of my job right now. I work on legislation with the State House and everything else, mm -hmm. representing Metro West, but I also do access complaints. So if someone calls and says there is an HB spots, handicap accessible spots at a, at a location or the bathroom is not accessible, I will go out, take a look, file a complaint. Hopefully, I try not to file a complaint, to be very honest with you. Try to solve that. the problem. Try to solve the, educate, try to solve the problem. It's less paperwork for me, <laughs> and we can move it right along. But if it comes to the point where I do have to file a complaint, it goes straight to the Access Board. So that's who you file a complaint yes, with. Yes. The Architectural Access Board, yeah. state agency. They have uh, mass regulations. I think it's yeah. 521, Code CNR. of Mass Regulations. Yeah. And this governs, I'm guessing, really tons of things that aren't necessarily disability related. I'm guessing like how far studs have to be in a wall, how many outlets you need. is those sorts of things, sort of nuts and bolts of construction? Some of it, yes. But, but, an, but well, another part of it deals with architect, architectural access, I didn't say that very clearly, such as access as we use the term in the disability community. Yes. Mm -hmm. Access to a building, access to parking, access to a bathroom. Yep. We've all seen handicap uh, uh, stalls with the arm, with the grab bars, etc. So we've got this agency that promulgates regulations with respect to what, I'm guessing, architects and builders have to comply with that affect 
the lives of persons with disability. Yes. I'm, not, I don't, I'm actually trying to learn here, yeah. so am I You're correct? Doing You're doing good so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, um, so generally when you file a complaint, it might be over, I don't want to call it the mundane, but the day-to-day -day of like, uh, like you mentioned, uh, handicap parking? It's, unfortunately, I have job security. Because there's problems all the time. I could walk out this building right now and probably name off 10 things that I see right Would off the Would they bat. cover cur curb cuts? We're talking curb cuts. We're talking ramps. We're talking exactly crosswalks with no curb cuts. We're slopes, um, ramps that are not compliant, um, walk walkways that are actually ramps that do not have railings, um, entrances that do not have the proper... Um, door handles, um, there's so much, and especially when you go with, through renovations, there's so much confusion out there between ADA and the AEB that some of it's done innocently and some of it's just trying to cut corners. So let's talk a little bit about the corners. I wanted to sort of lay out the, I will, I'll use the word the routine obligations, important but routine obligations of the Architectural Access Board. And, we have to try to remember to not use too much alphabet soup so that yeah. people watching the program <laughs> will know. And the Americans <coughs> with Disabilities Act, the ADA. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but you had told me something yesterday that if, if the camera could pick it up, there's probably smoke still coming out of my ears <laughs> about how the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, provides for access in issues of employment, public accommodations, and but in the area of employment, there is a disconnect between the regulations promulgated by the Architectural Access Board and the requirements of the ADA. Did I say that correctly? Exactly. Yes. So it's all yours. What is this disconnect that you've talked about? So basically, um, right now, Massachusetts has the AAB. Um, but it is not in compliance with the federal law, which is the ADA, um, which was put into law in 1990. Um, and so it's been far too long that Massachusetts has not become up to par with what the ADA asks of, you know, a state for access. So what this bill, the AAB bill that we're trying to um, push through is trying to do is close that gap. Um, there's two glaring issues which you um, kind of address with the fact that um, there's a problem with employment and employee-only spaces and there's a problem with um, housing that was built before 1991. So. so I'm a very visual kind of person which is probably why they conscripted me into doing this show. So when I think of the ADA I think about reasonable accommodations. So if I'm a person who uses a chair, a wheelchair, and I need to go into a building to buy, I don't know, you name it, a, a coffee maker. The ADA will, will guarantee, and we don't have a big problem in this state where a person could get into, say, Macy's and buy their coffee percolator right there. The access is there. But there's another part of, I'm not going to pick on Macy's, but of employers where it's kind of behind the scenes and the ADA is not getting to, and access is a problem. So where does, how does that occur? Well, right now, as it stands, the um, Architectural Access Board can cover the whole building, anything outside or inside, except for the employee-only spaces. So, so I'm going to say, yeah. stop right there. Yep. 
What are the employee-only spaces? A place where the customer can't go, right? Exactly. Yep. A place where the public, yeah, exactly. Anywhere where the public can go should be and has to be for the most part if they've reached the 30% threshold of any kind of renovations has to be accessible. Under both the Architectural Access Board and the ADA. Exactly. Yeah. They blend there. Exactly. Yeah. So now, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. You go behind the curtain, you go where the employees work, you can't, what then? You can't make it there. Who That's can't the, make it there? Anyone with a physical disability. So, someone... How in, is this true? How, how does this happen? I know, it's infuriating. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's part of the heart of the bill of this, uh, the Senate Bill 1379, House Bill 2498. That's the heart of the bill, is getting people with disabilities want to go to work. They want to go to work. I'll give you the perfect scenario. They go through high school, they go through college, get their degree, and they can't get into the building. And not only that, the ADA affords opportunities that previously had been blocked to these individuals. Yeah. They can get into college, they can get into school. Yeah. As I said earlier, they'll even build a ramp so you can get up on the stage to get your diploma. Yeah. So now you've got your diploma, you're a certified public accountant and you want to work for some big finance company yeah. downtown and this comes right down to you can't use the bathroom in that yeah. place. Is that correct? Exactly. And for the most part you can't even get an interview because you cannot go into, unless they make a reasonable accommodation and meet you somewhere else, is the smoke coming out now? Do we see the smoke? You know our frustration. Yeah. So <laughs> the way we in Massachusetts, now other states, I did a little research before the program, other states aren't as bad as Massachusetts on this, right? They have something mm -hmm. like the AAB, yep. and of course they have the ADA. The ADA is federal, and the Architectural Access Board is state. Uh, we've had problems like this in the law all the time. It comes when you have an older state sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but leaving that aside, um, is it true that other, are other states in the same kind of posture that Massachusetts is in? Or if you don't yeah. know, that's okay. No, that's okay. It's, it's not like Massachusetts. And I think it was Ashley that had once said this, and it's so true, that Massachusetts used to be ahead of the curve on so many things. The AAB, way back when, was ahead of its curve, and it was more stringent. And now, unfortunately, especially this, this day and age, we are behind the times when it comes to accessibility. And when it comes down to it, this is a human right, a civil right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost discrimination. I mean, the it, way you, I, I, uh, I'd be glad to say yeah. it is discrimination. Yeah, it, now, the individual could still file a suit under the Americans with Disabilities Act, but actually, what would be the difficulty in doing that? Well, first of all, they can file with the AAB through the state, but the um, AAB board literally has to say to them, I'm sorry, we do not have jurisdiction under um, employee-only spaces, so they just literally can't Because help of the regulations. Because of the regulations, they cannot touch employee-only spaces. So then they can pursue it further, and because it is obviously in violation of federal law, they can file a federal lawsuit, but as we know, that time would take extensive amounts of time, money, um, and then it will never, you know, solve the problem. In a, you know, people still need that in a job. Timely they fashion. still, yeah. Yes. And it's at the end of the day, like we've said, it's it's discrimination, and it's basically saying that they don't mind not employing someone with a disability. And also, it, in some ways, it's similar to the Mass Commission Against Discrimination. People mm -hmm. can uh, they can always file their federal suit, but MCAD is a more immediate accessible, yeah. using the word in the traditional meaning, of getting redress and a the problem solved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The architectural, I'm not picking on the architectural access board, 
what is the reasoning, without naming names, who would be opposed to this and why? Who would say, Walter, because we're all temporarily able, I could be in a wheelchair, God forbid, not that it's a bad thing, but let's face it, I could be in an accident and be using a wheelchair tomorrow. So if I, in my place of employment, I may not be able to access those employee-only parts to my office anymore, based upon this? Not in my office, because we're great. We're the disability law center. But all kidding aside, that's just like, it's astounding to me. Well, and if you really want to get blown away, is that this bill, other bills may ask for money or for this or for this. This is not asking for any money. This is actually saving the Commonwealth money, getting people with disabilities back to work. Off benefits. Housing right now. You, re, you redo a, an old mill to put apartments in, 95% can be done, 5% has to be accessible, and that's it. So if someone is living in a non-accessible apartment and something happens later on in life, as they're trying to age in place, they actually have to try now to move. Where if you combine these two bills together, you would make the 95% adaptable, 5% accessible, so you could age in place. There'd be studs on the, in the wall, correct in the bathroom. So if you needed to put grab bars, or the, door, the doors would be the correct width. The handles would be there. Counter space would be there. It just it makes too much sense. Yeah. So we want to talk about voting because it's so important with the, uh, the election coming up in November. But before we do, uh, I've already talked about the smoke coming out of my ear. So let's talk about watching my head explode right now on television. We're talking about Senate Bill 1359. 79. 79. Thank Sorry. you for the correction. 1379. Yeah. How many times has this bill been before the legislature? It's going on the... 19th year. 19th year now. So 18 times this has been defeated. Nine times, yeah. Yeah, so... So, I would have thought we were at the 10-minute warning, but we apparently just got a 5-minute warning. What can people do, watching this program, with respect to spreading the word about reconciling the Architectural Access Board and the ADA? Take it away. Very easy. Yeah. Contact your representative, contact your senator, tell them you're in support of this bill. Any questions, please go to our website. Call, call Metro West. We're more than happy to give information, have a meeting, meet with you to whatever we can do to educate and get this through. Yeah, David, can we, excuse me, Ashley, I didn't mean Sorry. to interrupt you. Can we put up that website address one more time? Uh, I very rarely implore people, but when I, when I learned about this uh, yesterday, and I'm almost ashamed that I didn't know about it, I was astounded. The idea that you can do all this work in your life to get into the workforce, and go to college and all the rest of it, and then literally have the door slammed in your face. So if you feel as I do, I would implore you to contact your state senator or representative. So the coming election in November is a little too important to not discuss. And in the, I don't want to say in the four minutes that we have left, but in the four minutes that we have left, I told you it would go quick, didn't I? Yeah. Um, how does... What are the particular concerns with regard to access to voting that people with disabilities have, and what can we do to make it so that stakeholders, people with disabilities, can get to the polls and vote? Well, I'll tell you, doing the um, poll survey that we just did, 
that we just conducted. This was probably my fifth or sixth one. We've made some progress. Before, there were barriers of just simply trying to find the HP parking. Right now, we have, we've educated out there enough that town clerks are actually calling us to have us take a look to see where they can put additional, not permanent, but just for that day, for, for voting day. day, more accessible parking. Mm -hmm. um, and remembering the, privacy and yes. like understanding where the automark machine is, does it work, all those what things. What is an automark machine? Um, Everybody out there does it know. Yeah. Yes. It's the, it's, actually I used it yesterday for a, a little I tryout. Yeah, as a test myself. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually much easier. It's a where you can grab the form, put it inside, put the headphones on, and it will tell you exactly what you're looking at and where to fill in the space. So a person who might be vision impaired, absolutely, hearing impaired, yes, mm -hmm. can't get high enough up to do yeah. it, or maybe have issues with handling a pen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fine motor skills. Um, what about the staff in the in the polling? Place. What are their, what's their obligation with regard to folks with disabilities? Well, it should be, to be very honest, it should be a little better than it is. I still feel there's a little gap of take the automatic machine, used to have it in the middle of a gymnasium or wherever it was, no binders, no, no privacy, no nothing, or it'd be in a corner. Now that at least they have it in a certain, um, certain area with privacy, but when you still ask, does someone know how to hear that knows how to use the automatic machine? You always still have to wait a couple of minutes. An appreciated time check. How much time have I got? Thank you. Um, so I know Secretary Galvin's office has been pretty good on this. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yes. And has really been trying to do some outreach. And there's Absolutely. something known as Rev Up. Yeah. So in the last couple of minutes, I know my executive director would not be pleased if we didn't talk about Rev Up. What's Rev Up? Rev Up is, um, we're working along with DLC, by the way, and uh, your boss is excellent. Um, future's looking great. Good. But besides that, um, we're working to educate to see, we're asking questions out there, what makes it easier for people with disabilities to get out there and vote. Um, we're getting information out there. We have websites. We're, Metro West is doing their own little thing too as well of, with the consumers. Sometimes the questions can be confusing. So we're breaking oh. down each question, what they are exactly. We're not telling them what to vote for, but just telling them exactly what they are so they can get better understand the questions, the voting questions and everything else, and trying to find out what are the obstacles, be it tra uh, transportation or stuff like that, just to help whatever we can to get them. Because nothing is more important than getting your vote. Yeah. And also, you know, we often use the word stakeholder. Yeah. Persons with disabilities have very specific issues. For example, the Architectural Access Board is a stakeholder issue. Yeah. And we can you, can you can advocate by contacting your state senator or your representative, but you can also advocate at the voting booth. Yeah. So the work Sorry, that you're right. doing, both of you, is outstanding. I, I got a wonderful education. I can't thank you enough. I'm going to see what steps we can take at the Disability Law Center, when I can take as an individual, with respect to this intolerable dilemma of somebody who cannot get into the space to do the work that they've been trained to do, right? Absolutely. So with thank that you. being said, thank you. Uh, I'd like to let you know that in addition to this program being uh, up here on BNN, 
It is also available on YouTube and the Disability Law Center website. Uh, it will be captioned before we put it out. Uh, Vimeo and our Facebook page. Um, I don't know what else to say except thank you both very, very much for thank being you. on the yeah, program. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you folks out there in TV land, as they used to call it, really take this message to heart and take steps to make your own life and the life of your family and friends better. Thank you very much.